This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. Do appreciate your time in tuning into the show. Again, all your support's absolutely fantastic. And just wanted to thank, again, all the people that are on Patreon that support me. I really do thank you very much for that. Of course, you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash AHP. Getting onto the show, this is a show that I've pretty much wanted to have done for quite some time. Uh, This show is going to be about 1080 Poison, and I've found someone. Her name is Michelle Reed. She's from Auckland, New Zealand, and she's moved pretty much around the world, but she's got a passion against the use of 1080. She's in the medical field. She's a medical copywriter. And finally, I found someone after a preliminary chat with Michelle that she's quite knowledgeable, very knowledgeable, in fact, on the use of 1080 in New Zealand. There's a lot of people, guys, that are against the use of 1080. Many countries have banned 1080. Now, I'm not saying there's one single approach to the use of 1080 or the not use of 1080 but by the looks of it it is causing absolute havoc not only here in australia but in new zealand as well i spoke to michelle just earlier in the week and we had a good discussion uh, just to get for me to get a bit more information about 1080 and find out what michelle knew about 1080 so when i actually ask her to come on the show she's going to give you as much knowledge as you possibly or as we possibly can on the use of 1080 Uh, what sort of animals it targets how it kills animals how it is deployed into the field and everything in between so i think it's going to be quite an interesting show and what i'm going to do first off guys is in a minute i'm just going to play a bit of audio just giving you a bit more information before we actually chat to michelle about what 1080 is and uh, some of the issues Um, You probably saw, and this is probably what got me interested in 1080, on Facebook there's a video. If you just type in 1080 poison, I think pretty much it's one of the first videos that comes up. And it's a farmer. It's pretty hardcore, guys. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's pretty intense. There's a dog on the ground that's just previously, obviously before the video was taken, ingested 1080. The farmer is pretty distraught about the situation. Uh, I think it was the sixth dog that he's lost in as many months from 1080. Now, I presume this is because 1080 is deployed in New Zealand by helicopter. And he was pretty upset about his dog that was literally fitting on the ground from 1080. A lot of people were upset that he actually let the dog or let that happen to the dog and he should have killed the dog. And I probably would agree with that. But I think, guys, that people need to see the effects of 1080 and what those effects are on animals, especially animals that are not supposed to be taking 1080. Well, there's a lot of people also out there that don't like the fact that even feral animals are ingesting 1080 as well, and it's inhumane. And we shouldn't really worry, I guess, whether it's a feral animal, whether it's a game animal, whether it's a native animal. I think we can all agree... From the video that I saw, it is quite, quite cruel. And the fact that it's been dropped and deployed indiscriminately, it's now also affecting people's pets and working dogs on farms. So it's a very, very interesting topic, guys. So what I'm going to do first, just going to go into a bit of audio, just to give you a bit more info about 1080, and then we'll get into the interview with Michelle Reed. So here it is. 1080 is an alias for uh, monofluoral acetate, a chemical. It uh, blocks uh, a particular step in the Krebs cycle, which is essential for the metabolism of oxygen in every cell of every animal. It kills everything that breathes air, uh, everything from earthworms to elephants, including native birds. The World Health Organization classifies 1080 as extremely hazardous. Most countries ban it outright. I took my dogs for a walk, my two rottweilers, for a walk on my property. I locked them up at one o'clock in the afternoon uh, because I was going fishing at three. I went fishing and uh, arrived home at nine o'clock. We went inside and had a meal. We heard this noise in the cage. The dog was thrashing around, frothing at its mouth. Oh, it's unbelievable what was happening. I pulled it out of the kennel. I put it over here by the light and proceeded with CPR on the dog. My best mate, my best mate, had him since he was a pup. Oh, I've never seen this bucket again. It's affected us, whole family. I just don't want it to happen again to anyone. One horse was actually found in the paddock, um, dead up up against the pine trees. It had obviously been thrashing around for quite some time, had a lot of mucus 
almost looked like its lungs had blown out of its face. Another horse was also found in that same paddock um, under a pine tree. And of course the fourth horse to die was Bullet and she died in the paddock behind us in town. They don't want to eat. They lose all body coordination. They actually have trouble even standing. The veins in their bodies basically pop out all over the place. Uh, their gums go completely white like a shock. You can see that the animals are so distressed there is absolutely nothing that you can do to help them. Um, shortly before she died she was involuntary urinating everywhere. Um, it was absolutely just horrific to watch. She'd even lost the ability to swallow um, the vitamins we were giving. We were giving via a syringe mixed with water and it was all it entailed was putting that into the mouth and all they needed to do was swallow. Um, she even lost the ability to be able to do that. But three days of watching her agonise and get worse and worse um, to still come to that horrible demise. And there's more animals than possums and dogs that, that become affected by it and will die horribly from it. Back in 96, um, we lost six cows due to 1080 poisoning. Just wandering into the bush over here and picking up the baits and, yeah, killing over. A couple of months ago, they did a 1080 drop in the Pura Forest here and um, we lost a, a cattle beast to 1080. Got the vet report done $700 later and it confirmed, um, yeah, it was definitely 1080 poisoning. Funny thing was, was when they were going to pay up, they asked to write the account out as track maintenance, not as an animal um, actually dying of 1080. In regard to the compensation, um, basically we've lost 13 deer. When we're asked to put a, an invoice in for the for the deer, they actually want it marked down as stock food. Stock food, not they actually animals. They don't want to admit that they've killed animals. To me, that's not honest. That, that, you know, if that's, they're trying to cover up our stock like that, then how, else, how many other thousands of stock losses have there been over the time that they're actually whitewashing? You'll listen to Australia's number one hunting, shooting and fishing podcast. Michelle Reid, welcome to AHP. Thanks for joining me today to talk about 1080. I really appreciate your time from uh, coming from Auckland, New Zealand. Thank you for having me, Jason. No worries. I guess first off, I want to find out, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, I was born in New Zealand. I was born in Wanganui, uh, which is where the state-owned poison factory actually is and has been since the 50s. Um, I was born in 1967, so it had been already going on for 13 years, but I had no clue, and I left there when I was five, and when I was ten, I actually moved to Australia, and I grew up in Western Australia. Which is the best place you've lived so far? Which place did you like the most? <laughs> I actually really like Victoria. I, I love living um, by the Murray River, and I, I have really good memories of a little school. Um, I think it was near Admona factory. Right. It was called Marukna. It was lovely. I really liked it there. So what do you do? Tell us about, I guess, what field you're in professionally and what do you do? What do you do with yourself? So I'm, by profession, I'm a medical copywriter and I've worked in PR and advertising um, for most of my career and written about drugs and diseases for pharmaceutical companies um, and their products. And at the moment, I'm a content developer um, in the technical field. So how did you get involved with advocacy against 1080 Poison? Tell us a bit about 1080 Poison. Sure. I can, I'll just tell you how I came about it first. Um, I came back to New Zealand to live with children in 2006, and I kept seeing signs about 1080, but it just seemed a very remote thing, nothing really to worry about. And then in 2014, my eldest daughter made me a Facebook page, and I hadn't really strayed into that area. And it was for a horse that we wanted to sell, who we actually sold to Australia, to Queensland. And he was a French Arabian. Um, and while I was kind of like running this Facebook page and hoping that I've got a really good home for him, I saw a post by a guy called Gareth Morgan, who um, I don't know what he actually is, he's, whether he's political or, or into um, charitable work, but he is an advocate for 1080, and he'd made a post saying that there, here are five reasons why 1080 is deadly to predator pests, but benign for the environment and you. And that struck me as odd, so I started researching it and ended up being involved in 
um, adminning and running Facebook pages and reading and writing a lot about the subject. Very interesting. Yeah, it, it was. It really interested me. I was amazed at how how fascinated I was by the whole subject and how this was going on and it was a government-run program and nobody was able to stand up against it. Um, but what 1080 is, is it's, um, it's sodium monofluoroacetate and it's a syn- synthesized compound which is delivered in a salt form and it is phenomenally powerful. It has no known antidote toxic to all life that uses oxygen and it's a metabolic poison, so it's not something that we should be dropping out of the sky from helicopters and into water supplies, which is what happens here. Obviously, there's no antidote at all. So once you've ingested it, that's it. It'll kill humans as well? It kills everything that needs oxygen for the purposes of metabolism. Really? It even can kill plants, but it's uh, the killing dose is different for all all animals and all life forms. So you can't actually, even even within species, the killing dose will differ because everybody's metabolic rate is different. Um, it's known that dogs are extremely susceptible. Um, there are many stories that I've come across where a dog's licked the boots of someone that's walked in some um, and died. Um, dogs traveling on the back of a ute that had had some bags of bait um, died. Um, dogs have, people have witnessed their dogs just getting a shard of bone and then going under the house and dying in extreme agony. So it just doesn't take very much at all. But as far as humans are concerned, one teaspoon of pure 1080 is enough to kill 100 average-sized adults. Wow, and there's no antidote whatsoever to So once you ingest it, no. that's it. It's crazy that any organisation or any, particularly any government organisation would be playing with something where there's no antidote. Especially with the issues, I guess, if they're people that make it or the companies that are dealing with it are under instructions from the government, you'd think, you wouldn't think people that have, yeah, they would have some form of antidote because what if someone ingested it within the company or within the organization that's making it or taken on the contract? Yeah, I I think there's a bit of a can of worms there, but it hasn't been opened up yet. I just just don't know how how they're getting away with it, but there seems to be no accountability and the National Poison Centre says it's fine, WorkSafe um, says it's fine, and everybody's just going around saying, well, it's just fine, and, and nobody's listening to the people who are affected or um, actually looking into the data that can, that comes out of other countries that have dealt with it. And we're not even following what's on the label from the company that makes it in, in um, America where they say, don't put it in water, and it's dangerous for marine animals, so... We're doing both of those things, and we're saying that it's different because we've made it into a bait, but it's still the same poison. Which country makes actually the, I guess, the the, the 1080 poison? Does it come from a specific country? Yeah, it comes from America. America. Monsanto was the original patent holder in America. Um, one of their chemical engineers in the 1940s, a chap called Tal Allen, was retiring, and he took on the right to make 1080 and took on the factory in Oxford, Alabama, in the USA. It's interesting because America's banned 1080, haven't they? 1080 use. In 1972, Nixon banned it outright. It was killing um, bald eagles and it was killing um, animals that it wasn't meant to kill. It was delivered just in ground baiting exercises um, and they banned it outright. And unfortunately, the Reagan administration brought it back in the late 80s, but only for use in field rubber predator collars that were only used or only still are potentially used, but not much, in about nine states under federal control. So there's a lot of controls around 1080 in in America, and they use about four tablespoons or maybe a couple of pounds a year. I've read different um, accounts of what they use, but not much at all. In comparison, New Zealand is using between two and five tons of pure 1080 a year, probably enough to kill, uh, well, enough to poison about 120 million people if we take an average of that. And um, nobody really knows because nobody has researched it and there's no epidemiological data produced in New Zealand to support the use of this poison. Was this um, poison, when obviously it was developed, 
What was the main reason for developing it? Was it because of you know feral animals and reducing the population, or was it used for a completely different different purpose? <laughs> no, you'll laugh. It was re- it was produced as an insecticide. Really, and they found out what was, by their test that it was qu- quite a lethal uh, bait. Or, or it was patented in 1928 as a moth-proofing insecticide, and it was found to be too dangerous for that. It was then used in in um, shipping and harbors and stuff to kill rats, and also found to be too dangerous. Um, there was a big accident with it in Kent in Smarden in 1963, and. Um, quite a lot of farm animals and um, the birds didn't come back, for example, in the area where there was a spillage. Rent-a-kill factory spilled some into um, waterways and what they ended up having to do was to dig out all the soil around that area and dump it out at sea to get rid of the problem. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. It was interesting talking about Monsanto. There's a lot of issues. I've listened to a lot of shows, especially in the health arena, about GMOs and those sort of things. That's for a different show, obviously. But I did notice Monsanto make Roundup, too. And a guy just the other day, probably about a week ago in America, won, I think it was $100 million because it was they've estimated that it could give you cancer. And he won that court battle and won $100 million from Monsanto. And it's interesting because I personally use Roundup around my property for weeds and, and that type of thing. So... Very interesting company in some of the things they do about GMOs and some of their farmers preparing their crops. Maybe that crop that mm. was Monsanto has blown over and affected the next farmer's crop you know, over the road. Yeah. And then those farmers have been shut down apparently because their patented product is now found in, found in another field and they're trying to shut those farmers down, which had you know, maybe their organic crop was infected by Monsanto GMO products. Now they're trying to shut down that particular person, saying, "Well, you're growing our painted product." <laughs> you know, how does that work? Yep. Crazy. They're greedy and they're anti-life. So glyphosate works, or Roundup works in in a in a similar way to um, 1080, but obviously not as um, highly acutely toxic immediate into immediate life in people. But um, where 1080 shuts down the energy production in animals. So by animals, I'm also talking about microbial life, right through the small insects and larger invertebrates and right up through birds and up to mammals and even up to something as big as a blue whale can be killed by 1080 um, because it shuts down the production of energy in the body that the um, mitochondria make energy for us to live. And so that gets shut down by something... Um, in the fluorocitrate, and just converted from the fluoroacetate in 1080, which is very complicated. I'm sorry, but it basically stops the the cells. So you you die in agony because you can no longer get energy. You can't. You just it's a horrible thing to see an animal die of 1080 poisoning. In a similar way, Roundup shuts down the energy pathways of plants, and they're not called Krebs cycle or citrate cycle like they are in animals. It's called the seven-step shikimate pathway, and these are shut down in plants, and that's what it, the plants starve themselves. They are starved of energy because they've ingested um, or they've absorbed um, glyphosate. So it's interesting, I think, in a kind of almost um, strange and poetic way that Monsanto is producing two um, substances that can kill all life on Earth. And the other horrific thing about this is that these two 
poisons cross over. So the sodium fluoroacetate is phytotoxic. It can kill plants, particularly what they call the higher plants, because trees also breathe. They respire and they use oxygen. And we are made up of plants, our gut flora and all through our body, there's microflora that we rely on. It, it, it helps us digest food. It helps keep us alive and healthy. And that is what Roundup is doing. Is there any organizations set up in New Zealand, I guess, fighting against the use of 1080? Oh, there are people who, and many of whom know each other, but there's nothing organized. And I was thinking before the show that it's quite fascinating that if um, individuals or groups get together and want to start some kind of um, uh, uh, charitable trust or something registered in order to combat the um, state-sponsored use of this poison, they're actually told not to include it in anything they write because it's a government body that has to approve the um, charitable trust and the registering of it. And it's... um, it's just not done. You just, if you want to get ahead in New Zealand, you don't, you don't speak against the government poisoning initiative, which has been going on for 64 years. So anybody who wants to get ahead can just support it. And what, what happens if you speak out against the use of 1080? Um, people are scientists who have done that, have been sort of driven out of their jobs. Um, Mike Meads is one of those, a handful of others, including one who's quite a, a well-known um, amphibian scientist who's got a very successful career career in Korea now. And um, there have been others. There was a wonderful um, Canadian scientist with so many degrees, um, very talented, writes books, and she spoke against it, wrote a couple of studies, and they they called her over-emotional, and they just minimize, they just bully, and it's just toxic. They put people down. They um, <clears throat> try and rake up something from their past. They try and get them fired from their jobs. Um, just uh, they want to make you go away. So if you speak against an AT, there will be someone who will try and make you go away. Doc used um, black PR, is the only way I can describe it, and security firms, they spy on 1080 protesters. There are, um, in an OIA, screenshots are seen of different Facebook posts. They watch the pages all the time. You make a post, within seconds it's shared, but you can't see where it's shared to. They're just watching and waiting for an opportunity. It's not a good atmosphere in New Zealand. And 1080 has divided the country. What, some for, some against? Yeah, there are people that think that it actually makes more birds, that you drop poison into the bird's habitat and somehow more birds are made. They also make out that um, they make out that brush-tailed possums eat birds like, at a huge rate, that they're actually a proper predator when they're not. They're actually not a hunter. They'll kind of try stuff that they come across, but they're not a hunter. And, and the baits are made of cereal and sugar and juices and stuff, so they're not actually dropping bait for predators. At least in Australia... You know, they're dropping meat baits for for predators and it's horrific and it's wrong, but they're not kind of trying to make out that something's a herbivore and dropping meat bait for it. So we're getting, you know, we're getting like deer pallets dropped and they say, oh, they're not for the deer, they're for the the predators, they're for rats, possums and stoats who eat 25 million birds per year. I mean, who's out there with a, you know, with a notebook taking these, you know, counting this? It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And everybody who's had a pet possum, they can't get it to eat eggs. You know, just it's a propaganda program. It's demonizing the possum to the point where people will actually deliberately try and run them over and they get kids in schools drowning baby possums. Mm. What's your actual, like, what's your main, like, I guess, issue with 1080? Is, is the effect on the ecosystem? Is it the in, you know, inhumaneness of it? What, what is your main issue with the actual use All of 1080? All of the above. Yep. Um, I think the first reason was that it, it just seemed wrong to be poisoning animals in an, in a, in an indiscriminate and inhumane way, that it's really cruel. But then as you get more into it, you realize that there are people with it. It's being dropped in people's water supplies and they can't get water. They can't get clean water. Um, people are sick, and the, and the doctors aren't really allowed to to um, diagnose it. Um, that it's 
a waste of money. It's it's using resources that shouldn't be put to that use for, for starters. I mean, some of the ambulance hospitals are, are flying around with 1080 bays underneath them. It's crazy. Um, it's it's a waste of resources. It's killing um, deer and killing possums um, that could be put to other use. If we if we're so desperate to get rid of these these animals, then we shouldn't be poisoning poisoning them and leaving them to rot. I think it risks marine mammals, and that's not really looked at. But all the rivers um, and all these tons of 1080, but it has to go out to sea, so that's not looked at. So that's another known unknown that we have going on. Um, but um, I think for me personally, the main thing is the animal cruelty, and pretty much on a par with that. I'm I'm really concerned. I, I look at meat in the supermarket and I wonder which farm it came from, and did that farm use 1080? Because a lot of them do. Um, I look at the milk and I wonder about 1080 being dropped in the water supplies. The, the fact that dairy cattle can wander around for three months before dropping dead from 1080 because that's what happens in South Africa where the poison bush grows. Um, I think that we we have a, a very big problem here that that is a bit like the emperor's new clothes and everybody's saying it's fine, 1080 is quite safe, oh, it disappears in the environment and and it, it actually doesn't. It it can deposit into bone. It can deposit into um, anything porous, uh, vegetable cellulose, cement. It doesn't just go away. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. What would you say, like, if the, and I think we were speaking this earlier in the week, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there that might say, well, what other options are there if they don't use 1080? Or the people that are against 1080, they would say, oh, well, you know, they're extremists. Or Give they're, us or an they're, alternative. Yeah, or they're, or they're vegans or they're against it or, you know, they're, they're just crazy extremists. You know, they're, they're vegans. They just don't want any animals to die. What, what would you have to say to that? I don't, I don't think that there is an alternative to ecocide. I don't think we need to find an alternative to ecocide. I think we need to study what we do have. I think we need to embrace the idea of novel ecosystems and reconciliation with the wild animals we do have. We've got a changing climate. Our ecosystems are not a diorama. I don't believe that we should just let animals go extinct. But in the factual fact, that is what we are doing with 1080. We are letting the kia go extinct because of 1080. I think that um, that the idea of saying that we need some we need some other agent to kill a lot of uh, wildlife is um, is presupposing that the idea in the first place is the correct one, and that we need to go right back to the drawing board, not back a little way and say, okay, what else can we use to kill off all the rats and possums and goats and in the um, bush and on farms and in suburbs where actually the birds are doing much better because they don't have 1080. Um, so we just need to go back further steps. Uh, we need to look at the fact that there's a conflict of interest, that the agencies who say we need 1080 um, are saying that we need to kill these animals. And there are some scientists coming out and, and using other ways of looking at it because invasive biology is, is, a, is a fairly new discipline and and the idea that we have invasive species and we have to kill them but it's like saying that we are not part of nature yet we are we are we are invasive species we bring in domestic animals and they're not allegedly meant to be here but it's just it's simply biological xenophobia 
it's you know what got the Germans into trouble with the Jews. It's it's not a good way of looking at life to say that it has an ancestral right to be here. Therefore, we must get rid of everything else because we don't do that ourselves. So we're being hypocrites. It's interesting because I know New Zealand obviously has a different set of animals that are invasive compared to Australia. We have. I'm not sure if you have wild cats over there. They're a problem, but we have a lot of wild cats. We have, obviously, uh, foxes. We introduced rabbits. I get where you're coming from, too. And I I think there's no one-rounded approach. I know people, obviously, this is a hunting show, so I would obviously recommend uh, hunting. But I I also, I'm not silly enough to believe that just hunting them alone is going to be one source that's going to eradicate these animals entirely. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, but there needs to be, I guess there needs to be a rounded approach. But if these animals, just to ask you that question, if these animals, the possums, the stoats and the rats, if they are having a, a detrimental effect on the ecosystem, one, I guess, do you believe that? And two, what other options are there to reduce the impact on the environment that these animals have? And Or, or is your, is your just, just to be clear, just for the listeners, or is your response do nothing about these animals? Just want to make that clear. No, we don't. We don't need to do nothing because by... No species does nothing. Um, to go back a bit, to look at the control aspect, actually stoats kill rats. And I think in Australia, dingoes are pretty good at taking care of cats. It's it's the interference that puts things out of balance. We kill one thing and then another thing's a problem. It's like whack-a-mole. Have you ever seen that game? Yeah, you just yeah, like yeah, these yeah. moles keep popping up and you whack them. So that's what we're doing. But... Um, we need to be honest. It's habitat loss. It's agriculture that's driving animals extinct. It's not small furry animals driving other animals extinct. And if we look back at what has really caused extinctions, and, and you can go back and look at that and do a bit of research, it's interesting. Hunting has caused extinction. Uh, so if we really wanted to make these things extinct, we would hunt them. Um, the the fact that people move into a, into an area and take the habitat, habitat loss causes extinction. Um, we're not going to get there by poisoning because poisoning will always dilute all of the life in the habitat that the poison is introduced into. And then the fastest breeders will come back. When they, this is interesting, when they drop 1080, do you believe on, especially these targeted species, obviously, of the possums, the stoats and the rats, do you think the 1080 has any effect on, like any positive benefit to, do you think it's doing anything other than damaging the <laughs> ecosystem or no? Or there's, or there's it's, no, it's only damaging the ecosystem. <laughs> so that, so you, yeah. just to, just to be clear on that, so the, Obviously, obviously, some of these animals, I'm guessing the possums, the stoats and the rats, they would eat, obviously, some of this 1080. So you think there's no yeah. benefit to the reduction? There's way too much negative that outweighs any positive? There's way too much negative to outweigh any positive, and I can use some of their own methodology on them because if you argue them into a corner about um, the fact that possums aren't important predators and they're actually mainly folivores and eat leaves and, and aren't hunting – they say, well, just a little bit of bad effect from possums is, is terrible for birds that are on the edge of extinction, threatened species. Well, then, using that argument, dropping poison bait cereal pallets that are delicious and, and birds who are hungry will want to eat them or they'll eat the insects that have eaten the baits because the baits are sweet and insects are drawn to them. Um, so just that, if we're saying that that is... Um, and if that is damaged, that's not really going to harm the native birds. Then at the same time, if a possum happens to stumble across a nest, and that doesn't happen very often, and it, it wrecks the nest and throws eggs to the ground or whatever they are alleged to do, then we're talking about small damage being terrible for threatened species. I think 1080 trumps the odd possum finding a nest and having a game with it. So if we're looking at um, the amount of damage that has been caused by um, introduced species and the amount of damage being caused by tons of poisonous baits being dropped into habitat, then I would definitely put a big cross next to the poison bait being dropped into habitat. In Australia, we use... far as I'm aware, we use the, they inject it obviously into those meat baits, but you were talking about that before, but I just guess to update the listeners, uh, what is it made of in New Zealand? What do they put it with so it's attractive for animals to eat it? You know those um, pellets that you feed out to sheep or goats in 
in yep. hard times. They're like multi-feed pellets. So they look like that, but they're dyed green and they're laced with um, 1080 solution. So is it like a, a carbohydrate? Is it a cereal? What sort of, yeah, what sort of thing Yeah, and it's it? about 20% sweetness. So they use sugar or other sweeteners to make it sweet. Um, and it's just a mix of, of grain and fat. It's, it's attractive food, particularly in winter. Give us a list of, I guess not a full list, but what animals actually targeted or and non-targeted will actually eat that bait? So the targeted ones are the um, rats and the possums, and they will eat it. Stoats don't eat it. Stoats are expected to die of secondary poisoning. Um, we have a, a scientist in New Zealand at Waikato University, and in one of her papers she states quite emphatically that 1080 does no more to control stoat populations than natural attrition alone. Stoats will follow a population of rodents, and as rodents decline, they decline as rodents come back, so the stoats. That's their evolutionary path. So um, possums will eat it, but there are quite a number of possum refusers, and, and the, the baits are double in strength now. They're 0.15% up to 0.2%, where they used to be 08 0.08% get that right no 0.8 anyway they've doubled in strength and the possums can sense poison and and they get bait shy so it's not a good poison to use the um animals that aren't supposed to eat it but secretly the that are fanatical about our native ecosystems want them to eat it and that's pigs and deer and wild goats and then the things that eat it that we all try to uh, pretend in New Zealand are not being killed by not testing them and I'm not talking about me and we but the authorities and that's kiwi um, kia kaka all the parrots um, Have there been cases of seeing those animals obviously being killed by 1080 that's that's common in New Zealand? There, there are rumours and there are um, there's obvious research done where they used red dyed bait that wasn't poisoned to see if kiwi would eat bait, and kiwi do eat the bait. I think kiwi are, are most at risk where there are because they stick their beaks into the ground and eat ground grubs, and, and um, the invertebrates of, of the ground are really at risk, according to um, an entomologist who worked for uh, Landcare quite some time ago, and he, he found that about 50% of invertebrates. Um, are knocked back by 1080 in the drop zone and that the 1080 contaminated the control site as well that so travelled through the water, through the ground. So kiwi are liable to eat poisoned food. Um, recently on Stewart Island, a whole lot of um, 1080, about 70, 70 kilos of it, and then uh, again we heard about another 20-something kilos were dumped in the national park and kiwis, kiwi were found dead around there. Um Kiwi aren't being tested. Animals that, or native birds and animals that doc don't want to admit to, just don't get tested. Or testing is left too late, and and then the 1080 will have um, metabolized into um, other substances, and they don't test for those. You were talking about, I guess, when, just explain that a bit further. I think that's that's very interesting. So when an animal depends on the, the type of metabolism they have, when it's ingested, what actually happens to them? How do they actually, how do they die? And I guess, what will they, how will they feel during that period? Is it a, Obviously, I'm, I can presume it's quite a, quite a nasty death. There's a latent period. So the um, 1080, which is uh, sitting for acetate, will enter the body and it will have to be lethally synthesized by the body into fluorocitrate. And it's the fluorocitrate that um, gets into the mitochondria and, in, and is drawn to the organs of most energy production in the body, which differs even within species. Like someone with a bit of a dodgy heart, you know, it's going to impact their heart and someone... Um, with issues with the, the brain that, you know, they'll, they'll get problems in that area. Um, bowel, liver, kidneys, uh, different organs seem to get impacted in different people and also with different species. So, okay, so with a dog, there'll be a latent period, maybe half an hour to an hour, um, maybe shorter, and then the dog will start panicking and it will start crying and then it will start moving and then it will start 
really like it will want to run away and get away from the pain. And then that dog, if it's still being watched, will end up on the ground just paddling with its feet and just trying to get breath. And and it's just, I mean, I know people who've had their dogs die like that and they never get over it. And it's just no wonder people are so angry with the various New Zealand governments that have done nothing about this. And people have witnessed their horses die in similar ways. I've seen on the Clyde Graff films, I've watched um, a cow dying, and, and that really, I was nearly in tears. And it was a pet cow, and the people were so upset. And that was dying in the same sort of way. Deer um, that have been followed after a drop, their eyes actually bulge out from the, the forces, their bodies just trying to find some energy, just trying to keep alive. And they can't, there's no energy. It's just going with the poison. And they try and gouge out their own stomachs with their horns and sometimes actually succeed. All the, the lungs get forced up and out. It's, it's, an, it's just a poison that causes long, drawn-out suffering. And there is no compassion in the people who've tried to rate it as moderately inhumane. I know we were talking earlier in the week as well, and I found this one quite interesting. So let's say a deer or a stoat or a possum eats 1080, dies. Tell us about the other animals that will prey on that carrion meat, and when they actually eat that meat, do they die as well? And how long is that half-life of 1080? How long does it, if an animal dies, how long and what parts of that animal do they have to eat to actually die? That's kind of like a how long is a piece of string. So it depends. It depends, like there was a dog in Hanua near where I'm actually living right now and she found a possum on the property got washed up from the river of, of from a drop in the national park there and she ate the gut contents of the possum. So when she was taken to Gribbles for testing, they obviously found, it was very obvious, bits of possum and bits of green bait. Um but it gets into the bloodstream and into the muscles and into the organs as well. So, and into the bones. Um, so it would just depend. And how long does 1080 stay around? Um, it depends on temperature. So in a warmer, moister climate, it w- will be able to break down because there'll be more microbial action happening. In Australia, where there are dried out carcasses, they've been found to still be toxic after 13 months. 13 months? Um, wow. Yeah. And obviously, you were just saying it was in the bones. If it, if an animal is you know, gnawing, chewing, such as a dog gnawing and chewing on the bones of that animal, that could be, as you said, six, mm. eight, 12 months. That means that dog could still die from chewing on those bones. Yeah, people that know, like, the, the experienced hunters, they'll just say you can never take your dog back to a drop zone because there's always a risk. It might be a smaller risk because it would have to find a bit of bone and then there, that bit of bone would have to contain the, the poison. But it does, there are studies about it, deposition into bone. It's part of the fluoride family. It's a fluorine. The, the element fluorine is the is the one that um, is responsible for this poison. And so we know that fluoride, is meant to help your teeth by making them stronger, um, and we can we know it, it will get into bone. Yeah. So fluoroacetate gets into bone, um, and it probably does it via the marrow. Obviously, when a possum or one of those animals dies, a deer, what non-targeted species are generally feeding uh, on their flesh that have been known to die as well? Weka will will, will clean up. Um, harriers, I don't know what you call it now in Australia, but it's the Australasian harrier or swamp harrier. They will they will go and eat. Pigs yeah. will clean up. Um, we suspect that pigs are building an immunity to 1080 because we had an incident here in the North Island with an Indian family made a curry and the um, it was only the adults that ate the curry and they all ended up in in hospital having seizures and convulsing and um, very sick. They were very lucky not to die. Um, and they ate the, the pigs that they'd got. The hunter had fed a heart to to his dog, and the dog had died. See, that's interesting, isn't it? That's dangerous. I mean, if an animal, even more so, very is dangerous. building an immunity to a poison. 
and hunters go yeah, well, out there and kill. Yeah, they eat and throw up. They eat and throw up and eat and throw up. So they're getting sub. They're getting chronic doses and surviving them. Then they're having lots of piglets. Uh, it's it is it's in. I've researched it. It is possible for for um, a species like pigs to to build an immunity. You've got a great scientist um, in Australia, Laurie Twig, and um, the studies that I've read talk about the um, immunity or tolerance of some native marsupials in some local areas of Australia, not across Australia, but just where the the pea family plant that um, makes fluoroacetate or fluorocitric acid to put off um, browse. And so there's been an ability over, say, you know, hundreds of years, even a thousand or more years to, to build some small tolerance to, to that plant. Those animals can still die from 1080 poisoning if they, uh, if they ingest a killing dose. Mm. But it's, it's really interesting that there, that that means that those animals can be walking around with a higher um, dosage of poison on board and still be okay, but something else can eat them and get very sick and die. And I, I worry about that with eels in New Zealand because they'll be cleaning up the carcasses and streams. And and same, same goes with our trout, eating lots of poison mice and rats and insects, and then people eat them. And that could be dangerous as well? It could be dangerous as well, and we just don't, you know, metabolic disease is a, is a large area. Nobody's tracing it back to to the potential of 1080 to do this to to people, you know, to humans. Someone dies and nobody knows. With that family, did they track it back to, what was it tracked back to, did, or is it sort of pushed under the carpet, so to speak, and nobody wants to know about it? They tried to pass it off as botulism, but the um, there were so many questions from international bodies, like the um, International Society for Infectious Diseases, like this is not botulism. They weren't um, paralysed. They didn't. They weren't all slack and kind of floppy, which is basically what Botox does. Um, so there was just no way. And the doctors apparently in the hospital kept writing suspect, you know, fluoroacetate suspect in eighty poison, and the notes kept getting kind of changed and they didn't do the lab tests that they should have done. They only did them when someone sent an OIA and by then it was too late. And so um, then they weren't going to pay out on ACC, um, which is just ridiculous. And then they did, but they still won't admit. They just won't admit. They really don't want to say that people are getting sick and dying from their poison. Really? That's very interesting for, for hunters as well, going out into the field. I mean, if you know, an animal, you know, doing the right thing by getting rid of a few, you know, feral animals and trying to feed their family at the same process and then getting sick and potentially dying because the animal has developed some small immunity to a certain dosage of 1080. Very dangerous. Very dangerous I really indeed. strongly, I can really see that it was 1080 because the woman was still feeding, still breastfeeding a one-year-old, and she was the worst affected. And the minute I heard that, I went back to looking at my research and um, anyone who's pregnant or lactating is more susceptible to 1080, whether they are sheep or human. And um, so I I knew then that that they'd all eaten the same kind of curry and she was was by far the worst affected. Interesting. Worse than the man's mother. Telling, tell us about the effects of also too. First off, how how are they deploying it into the field, and when it hits those streams, what do you think some of the issues are? As you said, with you know some of the water moving to different places when it's been infected with 1080, and some of the animals within the water, the fish, eels, you were talking about as well. I think yeah. you know, that would be like sushi. I guess I, I love my sushi myself. Last thing I want to do is die from eating my favourite food. You know. <laughs> yeah, or or to you know, to get in some small way to start some cascade of effects in your body. Um, the sisters that breathed in the dust at a picnic with a helicopter dropping 1080 above them, um, one of those sisters had been exposed to it before, Kathleen, and she um, she believes she was worse affected by this second um, interaction with 1080 because it has a, like a, a double-dipping effect, like the second time around. Um, your body uh, has already got some damage, so it it is that much worse. 
if the problem that we have is the whole thing just needs to be studied and and humans and the native species that are most likely to be affected are unstudied. There's just nobody collecting the data. What about the scientists? Is there anybody doing uh, looking at the information? Is there anyone doing studies? What are the scientists saying about it? From Not only, I guess, in New Zealand, but what about from overseas as well about the use of uh, 1080? Oh, well, the, the United States EPA has produced plenty of research and, and that's what I go back and look at. In, within New Zealand, some American scientists live in Coromandel, Quinn Whiting O'Keefe and his um, wife Pat. They've done quite a few um, peer reviews of the doc data, and they, you know, they're quite clear in what they're saying that that it's just a nonsense, and the studies are really badly flawed that are produced in house by by Doc Lancare and all of the interested agencies. So the Canadian scientist Alexis Piatak wrote um, in a couple of papers about the impact on the native birds and the fact that even though birds are not as susceptible as mammals, or and that isn't strictly true because some species of birds are as susceptible, but on the whole it's considered that the, as a species they're not, but they're lighter and they don't have to eat as much bait to get a killing dose. And for example, we've got a little bird called a tomtit and it would only have to eat one poison butterfly potentially to die from 1080. So I think that um, deploying monsoon buckets under helicopters and dropping cereal, sweet and cereal baits into the habitat of all of these animals is putting all of these animals at risk. Other than helicopter, is there any other way they deploy the bait or is it mainly from the helicopter? They come up with a few interesting torture devices. So they... Um, use bait stations as well and use brodificum, which is a second-generation anticoagulant that's just a horrific poison. It does have an antidote, but it causes some animals to bleed to death internally. Um, and then they also use 1080 jam or jelly, which has been spread on leaves to... And this was when deer killing was considered okay. Um, and that's, that's quite powerful quite a strong percentage and it's not it's it's potentially caused quite a few problems um possibly with people but i probably won't go into that one right now yeah um and the other thing they did with the jam was to dig uh, in the 70s they used to dig um a grid formation of holes and put the 1080 jam into the holes and hope that a rabbit will come across it and eat it and die They'd wait two weeks and put the cattle back into that pasture. And then the farmers started noticing um, what they called 1080 mad cow, which was the cow staggering, looking dazed and confused and just not thriving. Um, so they stopped that practice. The other thing they do with 1080 is 1% in water in trays against wasps on islands that don't have natural water. Are there any hunting, shooting organisations, the farmers? What are they saying about uh, the use of 1080? Most farmers, I think, are, I would say that with confidence, actually. Most most farmers um, would be on, on a personal level against it. Most hunters, definitely on a personal level against it. But there are still some who, for whatever reason, whether it's personal gain or they've part of the sort of fanatical um, thinking that you know we must at all costs save some native species by poisoning them, um, but most people, as a rule, are, are really uneasy or dead set against 1080. Um, those that are more dead set against it have had some experience of it. There's a kind of a feeling that it's a um, townie versus country dweller thing, but I think anyone who who looks into it. Um, properly and with their eyes open, we'll see that this is just something that should have been stopped decades ago. Speaking about that, what are the, I guess, other than government too, anyone else speaking out? You know, what, is there, has there any, is there any pro 1080 people in New Zealand that are quite vocal about the pro use of 1080? <laughs> yeah, we wonder about them. Um, against it, we have had the SPCA come out and say it should be stopped and then, that's, and then they stop after that point. There was a political party that said that they were going to stop it, and that was NZ First, and it was all over their website and and their Facebook page. And then when 
a very strange thing happens and, and they <laughs> formed part of a coalition government, the yeah, website right. and the Facebook page disappeared and um, Winston Peters, who that's was leader it. of Winston Winston Peters, first, yep. Yep. Yeah. So he was our prime minister for a while and a lot of people feel very, very let down. It's interesting. My uh, former roommates are from New Zealand and I said I was doing this interview and he was quite uh, quite interested to hear the interview after it goes to air because he's not a big fan of the 1080 as well. And uh, he was quite he had quite high hopes for Winston Peters being the kingmaker, but uh, turns out he reckons Winston Peters has turned out to be a bit of a dud, to be honest. I don't know if it's if it's that simple. I I think it's more complex. It's been going on for 64 years, so there's got to be something that keeps it going because it's 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 carrying on really against all logic and so whether it's money whether it's so many organizations are hooked into it the helicopter companies the trucking companies the there there are so many like Klingons to the 1080 gravy train that that you know I just wonder if it's just too hard to stop it's like shutting down the coal mine everybody gets up and says no no we can't lose our jobs um, and there's a real musical chairs of, of, of um, upper-level management that swap around between all the various organizations and actually between the two countries, Australia and New Zealand. And there seems to be so much at stake that they can't see a way clear to ban it. And I guess that's part of why there are cover-ups, because if it's known what it's actually doing, they won't have any choice but to ban it. So they keep pretending that it's a safe poison, which is an oxymoron. And we've just got a really tough situation. And what is so damaging to the public of New Zealand is that we've got government and police who are actually behaving in a dystopian fashion about protest. And activism and protest is is a healthy part of, of the governance of the people. The people actually do have a right to stand up and say, sorry, but we don't like this. We don't want to be poisoned. We don't want to see our country engaging in animal cruelty and, and waste and public health risk. We, we absolutely do have that right. If there was no activism and no protest, we would still have lead in our petrol. We would still be smoking in hospitals and thinking it's good for our babies. You know, we come on, we need to be able to protest and the New Zealand government needs to stop trying to put down protest against the Navy and bully people into stopping. I was just looking on the internet while we were talking as well, just some of those articles you sent me as well. And when the government hears about that it's affecting the deer population or you know, a farmer's cows are being poisoned or people's dogs are being poisoned on their own land because when they dropped the helicopter bait, it went onto their land, which is just a travesty in my opinion. What does the government say about this when they see these other animals or they just turn a blind eye and don't care? Mostly turn a blind eye. If, if there's anything said about something in an article, it's usually that um, 1080 is not perfect, but until we have an alternative, it's the best tool in the toolbox and all that kind of stuff. They also, when articles are written, they always ensure the journalists put biodegradable 1080 or naturally derived or some other um, misinformation like that um, to... to downplay it it's constantly downplayed um it's a wonder it's not on our flag we're so crazy about the stuff here has there been any known cases uh that it's actually killed humans any known cases mm-hmm. there are two known cases um one a hunter ate ten eighty jam on his toast and died and um, <laughs> that's not a good thing to... <laughs> that's not a good thing no yeah it was not it was in the sixties um was that in New Zealand where was behind that a family it was New Zealand. It was, from memory, it was around Rotorua, but I'm not sure. Um, but there are articles about it. And, in fact, even recently, his um, the wife and children he left behind um, got themselves into the paper to say that they really wanted the government to, to recognize his death because the government tried to not list it as death by um, 1080 poison. And in the end, they had to. But the government was so keen to, to say no, no New Zealander, no Kiwis ever died of 1080. Um, but they have. And there was someone else as well in the 70s, a rabbiter handling carrot bait. So he was like, it was through his skin and it was his kidneys that eventually gave up. And um, it was suspected to be the 1080. And the doctor in Christchurch sent the urine sample when he did finally die um, to 
what was then, I think, the laboratory for the NZ Forest Services, he got a phone confirmation that it was fluoroacetate. And then when he tried to follow it up and it was meant to all be kind of set down in paper, they'd lost the sample and the results. And there's been a few things go missing like that. So when it goes into a water supply as well, gets into the streams, rivers, dams, normally that most of, often makes its way out to the ocean somehow. So is that, is, have they found any effects on animals? You know, They're that not might looking. Be... They're not looking, but there are people who are looking who are really worried. Seals are part of the dog family. Are they susceptible to the 1080 significantly as well? So it's been seen, but nobody's actually making it an official thing. Mm, yeah. But uh, someone who was working for Doc and picking up bait off a track or something saw, saw a seal dying, and they drop it near the coast. They drop it into rivers. If a seal takes a possum carcass, you know, on a beach, it will die. There's just no getting. There's no getting around that fact. We can't say it's not happening when it's. You look at all the evidence, and it's. It's obviously going to happen. Uh, we don't know the sublethal effects of on dolphins. Maybe it makes them get caught in fishing nets. We just don't know because nobody's studying it. There's a hell of a lot of it being dropped, and it's going to be going into the marine life. There's just no getting around that. It has been used um, on islands. Yeah, if I was in an area and I was, say, presume trout fishing is legal in New Zealand and I'm out trout fishing and trout has eaten one of these baits and... I eat the trout. Am I likely to die as well? It just depends on how, when and how it ingested the 1080 and what time frame that was around? Yeah. You'd have to have, a lot of things would have to come together for you to actually die. Um, I think they cut open one trout and there was something like 27 mice that had died. And obviously the, the problem is that when animals are dying, they often seek out water. So dead 1080 mice in the water are like a great meal for trout. Um, so the short answer is, I don't know. You could, or you might just have a few things as far as mitochondria and metabolic disease are, go wrong for a while. You might you might be a strong, healthy person and, and not notice anything at all. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a silent kind of Definitely very interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. What would you like to see happen with ten eighty New Zealand? I would like to see Cinder Adern actually get the bit between the teeth with this one and and start to do something about it. Um, and it will take a long time because it's a big ship of fools and they always take a long time to turn around. But I think I can see some cracks and I, I can see I can see that there's far more people now speaking out and I think that that will affect government. I think the more people speak out, the more people make it obvious that they're not happy rather than just keep their heads down and and um, obey the government and not make a fuss. I, I think that standing up and, and making a fuss is really the only way to to um, change government's mind. And whatever the, th- the things are and wh- whoever the people are that are keeping it going, ministerial servants or whatever, they'll be getting older. And I, I think that there's a good chance for us to actually ban this poison in New Zealand once and for all. We don't need it. And there are other ways to to manage animals that we don't want a lot of in, in our, in our um, habitat. But the thing, the thing that we most need to do is to give habitat back and give enough food back to these species that we want to save because it's important for them to, to be able to live. And like Kiwi need to range. And, and so many of these little places, these fenced sanctuaries, they're not big enough for them. We need to give enough habitat back. We're too greedy. We take too much habitat from other species and then we we blame other species for the fact that they're not doing so well when really it's us. Mm, very interesting. Well, it's good. Anything to finish off that you'd like to say? Uh, any any other information that you'd like to give about 1080 or anything like that? I'll, I could probably talk for two weeks about <laughs> it, um, but not today. I just, I think I've said enough and... Um, if you ever want to have a follow-up chat, then I'm here. Is there anyone, just to throw off a few names, that if people wanted to go and have a look at you were talking about just a bit of research or about what people are saying, yeah. what are a few avenues people can actually go and look at? Like, is there any specific people that are fighting against 1080, some scientists, some some studies? Yeah, where, where, where could they go? Look, if 
you look up the work of um, Quinn Whiting O'Keefe, um, you'll come across it. Look up the um, videos of um, TV Wild and the Grass Boys. Look up 1080 Science, a website. The Graph Boys, That's I seem to have heard of them. Are they Zealand. hunters? No. 1080 Science or the... <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought... I just the Graph Boys. Yeah, the, Gra- the Graph Boys. I'm sure I've heard that name from yeah. somewhere. Yeah, they've, they've done some hunting videos as well. and um, But mostly they hunt with cameras these days. Interesting. All right, anything else, last one to finish off? No, nothing finalised? Um, I just encourage people to get onto all the various Facebook pages, No to 1080 Youth in New Zealand, 1080 Eyewitness, Operation Band 1080, and just keep sharing the post. Excellent. All right, Michelle Reed. thank you for joining me to uh, chat about 1080 and the effects in New Zealand. I really do appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're very welcome. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.